This is a program about going deeper. It's about creating a culture of learning. It's about putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. It is our mission to purposefully equip the world to transform their region with God's love. We want to create an atmosphere of divine influence to the nations by walking in the power of His Holy Spirit with a faith that shapes the future. Welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. My name is Chris Banky. I'll be your host today. And we've got with us Bobby Hobby. Becky hey there. Hobby. Hello. Veronique Vaughn. Hello, hello. We are excited to come to you today. And the topic that we were talking about in the pre-show, I'm pretty excited to dig into. Um, and that is, wait for it, the prophetic. Yeah. We're talking about the prophetic today. So um, there's just so much on the internet, in the world, Things are crazy, Um, and when that happens, a lot of this quote, if you're listening to this and you're not watching the video, I'm doing the quote, the air quote, (laughs) prophetic stuff starts coming out. And so what I'd love to do just is to start off by, at the high level, when we start talking about these things, prophetic, what are we talking about? Let's just start off with some foundational stuff and kind of, you know, set the stage with that. So, Bobby, can you kind of, at a high level, kind of walk us through, because I think there's a lot of different, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot. So let's start off with that at a high level, kind of walk us through. Let's talk about the two major aspects of the prophetic. Um, in the last days, there's the prophetic unfolding of God's word, the eschatology um, that is very prophetic. Um, prophets like Daniel, Ezekiel, um, Jesus himself, uh, John the Revelator saw many things that would happen in the last days. Mm -hmm. And so those are unfolding now uh, before our eyes. So that is the prophetic in nature as a as it uh, reveals the word of God. It reveals Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And then there's the gift of prophecy that 1 Corinthians 14 talks about 1 Corinthians 12, as well talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And so that is the 1 Corinthians 14 gift of prophecy is that you may all prophesy to encourage one another. And so the aspect of prophecy in terms of body ministry or ministry that we get to do to one another or encourage people with, um, the Bible's very clear that, hey, if you're going to operate in the gift of prophecy, that you may all prophesy, but do it this way for edification, mm. exhortation, and comfort. So um, what does it look like to edify someone? That yeah. means to build them up or to build a strong edifice in them. To exhort someone, that means to encourage or to push them forward into the grace of God and or to comfort someone who needs comforting. So if we as people just go around looking for ways, God, what is your heart uh, for edifying people? Then he's going to share that with us. Now, I believe that Everyone can prophesy, just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. You may all prophesy. Remember, that was the birthing of the church. That wasn't the ending of the church. So those who are cessationists or have heard the teaching, well, all of that died out with the apostles. The apostles' job was to birth the church. So he was saying something that would last in them, and he wanted to make sure, though, that it was done the right way. And so he said, Edify people, 
exhort people and comfort people. And listen, in that context, if you miss it, then someone's going to be edified in a wrong way. Someone's going to be comforted in a place they don't need it. Someone's going to be loved on in an area that maybe is, maybe is not specific to their life. So if you miss it with that intention, no harm, no foul. So we'll talk about what a false prophet looks like as we go on. But that's really the high level is that we would use the gifts of God, not only to see unfolding scripture in these last days, but also to really edify. Who needs edification these days? Has that stopped? Nope. Everyone. Yeah. Who yeah. needs comfort? Who needs exhortation in the journey that we're on? That's why we know those haven't ended yet mm. because the need for what they produce mm. has not ended yet. Can I have a question on that, if that's okay? Um, okay, yes. so as you said that, my thought, and I've had uh, many conversations, so what then uh, would I say to someone who r was given a word and the person's heart was to edify, exhort, and comfort, but it actually didn't work out well for the other person and they felt hurt by that word that was given? What would you say to them at the beginning of our little time here, um, diving into prophecy and the prophetic? What would you say to them? Yeah, I think it's super important to know not only what relational boundaries look like that we don't just get to, you know, in society, if someone comes up to you and um, starts sort of giving you flattering compliments that they shouldn't and your husband's standing right next to you, <laughs> yeah. um, that's relational boundaries that we shouldn't cross. Mm. And sometimes those are societal norms and people still cross them. Well, mm. in church, it's easy to cross those boundaries mm. too. And so, uh, as I mentioned, if we stay within the quote-unquote biblical boundaries of 1 Corinthians 14, then often that works out well and you're just edifying, encouraging, and comforting. But when you get outside of those boundaries and now you're giving correctional, directional words, right, right. and it's not edifying, exhorting, or comforting anymore, mm -hmm. uh, then now you run the risk of harming people. And so what's the exception to that rule? Well, if your best friend in your church or in your life says, hey, I love the character with which you walk in, would you speak into my life beyond the normal exhortation, edification, and comfort? And mm -hmm. if you see anything correctional or directional, that needs to happen in my life, then by all means, I invite you into mm. that area Then mm. speak that. But if you don't get that invitation from someone and in the name of the prophetic, you cross those boundaries, that's where I have seen the most damage done. Right. The second thing is um, where people don't understand the essence of the prophetic gift. Now, there's yeah. three major essence of the prophetic gift. One is the revelation that you get. The second is the interpretation that you attach to it. Mm. And the number three is the application. How do I walk it out? Mm. And you really don't have a prophetic word unfolded until you have all things, all three of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's not enough just to have the revelation. Yeah. What is God saying? What does that mean for me or the people around me? Is it for me or is it for someone else? That's really good. Or is it for someone else or is it just for me? Yeah. Do I over-spiritualize it when God's really trying to talk to me? And then number three, what's the strategy? What's the way to walk it out? 
And so, so many times we have a million revelations, but we didn't take them on to interpretation. And we certainly didn't take them further into application. Oh, that's good. So when we don't do those couple of things, then I think that's when we start crossing boundaries and people yeah. get hurt. Yeah. I'd love to dig into um, some of the different areas. You know, I think... I think this. Uh, I think this is a really important topic. Um, it always is, but right now there's so much of it, and in today's world, unlike any other time in history, we're all really connected. So we get to hear these prophecies as they're happening about world events. So I'd love to. Um, I'd love to kind of take a step back for a second, though, and kind of get practical. Um, and I think there's a really great example. We were talking about this in the pre-show. In our church body, we have this, um, I think it's a round table, right? That's what we call it. So we have this round table situation where we bring a, a bunch of leaders together and we do, on purpose, we expose and kind of talk about different prophetic things that we're feeling and we take good notes and we write them down and we and we work together as a group um, to interpret what's happening. And then, um, you know, and then, and then, life happens, right? So this year, there um, have been a lot of really shocking um, things that have come out of that roundtable from January. And as everyone knows, 2020 has been a very interesting year. So it's Mm. been incredible to watch that play out. Mm. And one of those um, that we were talking about in the pre-show was this uh, prophetic word that we got about a civil war. So, um, Bobby, can you talk to us about that? Uh, Actually, all all of you guys... um, about that specifically from a practical standpoint, because I think it's a great example of how things like this can play out in a positive way. Well, just like you said, we have our roundtable, and the purpose behind the roundtable is understanding together we have the mind of Christ. So no one scripture or prophecy is is of private interpretation, the Bible says. And so that means we all see in part, know in part. So we bring our team together and we say, guys, mm. what's God saying? Instead of trying to tell them what God's saying, no, we all carry something. What is God saying? You hear his voice as well. And so we do. We come together. We plan on um, that meaning that at the end of the previous year, we start going, God, what are you saying for the new year? And what strategy can I bring to the table to walk that out with? And so one of the words that we got this year is that a civil war is coming. And the Lord said, I'm going to show you how to navigate it. And so we were like, okay, we begin to what does a civil war look like? We had no idea. Someone just had, a, I think, a dream about the civil war and the different aspects, and then it would um, sort of fire someone off across the room, and they would go, oh, that's weird. I had a similar dream, or I had a similar revelation, or I was just studying the actual civil war and what came out of that. And next thing you know, boom, everyone's heads down. Everybody's on their laptop. They're Googling civil war. What does it mean? What does it mean? And they're extracting things from history that God may be saying Mm. for our times. Mm. And that's what it's, that's why we do it because it's good to be a good steward of what God may be saying for our times. Yeah, that's good. Also, you know, we, a lot of times we'll get uh, words that we in the interpretation side of things, we're not sure. And, and, you know, is it a, a actual civil war that's going to happen? Is it a, uh, you know, a civil war, like there's a war within us that's going to happen, uh, you know, inside of our hearts, you know, that there's two sides at enmity and, and contention and 
the battle is raging, mm. you know, but then, uh, or is it something that's going to happen in an, in our nation? Is it going to happen in our state or is it going to happen in our, in the church, the body mm. of Christ, you know, like what is this? And so as we're going into, uh, asking the Lord, you know, what does this look like? Mm. What is the interpretation of it? Uh, you know, sometimes that comes over time. Yeah, It's not just a quick, you know, and a lot of times we will, we'll get it wrong <laughs> and we learn from it, but you know, we were so wanting yeah. to be in step and partner with God. Mm. And he's so faithful to, to really teach us and mm. to draw us close and to, and to reveal um, a lot of times in the interpretation, we will get more on how to behave mm. than we will on some of the specifics of what's going to actually happen in it. Yeah. And right. it's like, how do you posture yourself? How do you position That's yourself? Good. That's good. Uh, I, I really, I'd love to press into that a tiny bit um, before we move on, because I think one thing that happens a lot um, that, I, that I've seen happen and myself too, but so we, we get a word. Okay. And I think we should actually go into like this kind of vernacular we're using, like get a word. I think we should talk about that, but in, in, in a minute before that, uh, so you get a word and then we go, Oh, I know what that means. That means this. And then we write it down in stone. We chisel it. We put it on our desk and we're like, that's what it means. And we're wrong, but we pursue that to uh, a foolish degree. Because we've decided what it means. Yeah. So I'd love to just spend just a quick minute, like, how do we how do we help ourselves not do that? To get really rigid in our own understanding when oftentimes we're we're not a hundred percent right about what some of these things mean. We get it wrong. And I think um, you know, that that same scripture, you know, just after the pool of, of Bethsaida where where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he's like you had the scriptures, you studied them so well, and you still missed the fact they were talking about me. Yeah. Mm. So it wasn't that you didn't know them, but you missed it. Mm. So what, how do we, how do we not do that? So I think first it'd be really good to, you know, what do you mean by got a word? I love that. That's so true. And I did air quotes there for you. If you're listening, got a word in air quotes. There's a lot of air quotes in this episode. There is a lot. lot Yes, a lot of this. Uh, You know, so exactly what you just said in uh, in the scripture. So those in uh, who were hearing from God in the scriptures would write write the the words that they were getting from God, and so they got a word from God or the words of God. uh, And they wrote them down and they, uh, you know, and they taught them to, and they shared them with, uh, with those that were there in their circles with and, and beyond. And, uh, and they got the, you know, the interpretation of that word wrong because they were expecting Jesus to come a certain way and to do certain things and he didn't meet their expectation, mm. you know, and did it mean that they were, uh, the, the word that was given was false? No, it was in, in the interpretation, like Bobby said, in the interpretation, mm. that's where we can really get it wrong. So yeah. then we apply ourselves off 
and, and uh, based on what our interpretation is, you know, so how do we avoid that? How do yes. we, how do we stop that from happening? Yes. Great question, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, first things first is you have to have a theological platform for this. Yeah. So, number one, my sheep know my voice. Hmm. Or that some of the translations say my sheep hear my voice. So, you hear from God if you are his sheep. Do you know that there's people on the planet who go, wow, maybe I'm not his sheep. And they start like discounting the fact that they're a Christian because they don't think they hear God. But it's set in stone. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. Hmm. So I am a firm believer that every Christian can hear the voice of God. That is already not up for interpretation. So real quick on that point. I think that there are people that are going to be listening to this and they're, they're already feeling uncomfortable big time Yep. because they're hearing us talk about Becky. What you said is, is completely in scripture, but maybe they haven't thought about it like this. It sounds to some people will sound pretty brazen to say that they can hear from God. So Bobby, the reason that I wanted to interject this is what you're talking about is absolutely basic theology my sheep hear my voice. And then on top of that, there's in Corinthians, you know, when Paul's talking about, hey, everybody, but can you just kind of lay that foundation really concretely uh, for us? It's too easy to put it on us like, wow, I can hear God's voice and make it about us. But really in that scripture, God's making it about him. I talk. Your ability to hear me is based on me because I haven't stopped talking. And so I know how to talk to you, and then it gets personal. So I'm not just a talking God. I know how to talk to you. So back to my sheep, hear my voice, is God's talking. We have to understand that. He hasn't gone silent. He didn't write a book and go silent. And so then, if that's true, and we all hear from God, and that scripture is true, and we're not going to disagree with that scripture, then the next thing is, then how do I hear? So if everyone hears, I believe everyone hears God's voice, but not everyone knows how they hear. Mm. Some hear the voice of God. They literally hear the voice of God. Some hear outwardly, like tangibly, literally. Some hear inwardly. Mm -hmm. Some know. Some see. Some feel. Some get slight impressions, and that's how you hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. It's not this big 9,000-year-old, you know, everlasting, booming Samuel. Um, For some of you, it's impressions. Um, It's through things that you like. It's through, and so you have to identify how you hear. If you've already put God in a box, and unless he speaks to you like he did Samuel, Mm. it's not the voice of God, then you're waiting for a robot uh, God to come and just um, make you like someone else. So let's go back to learning how you hear. So how do you hear? I would pose that question to you and someone would go, wow, I just kind of know things. Mm. I just kind of sense things. Well, how about when someone sort of walks and sits down in front of you and you're just meeting them for the first time. Some of you have an amazing radar and you haven't distinguished that as being God's voice to you. 
You're just like, no, it's my radar. It's my discernment. Wait a minute. God gave you that gift. He gave you that gift. He made you that way. So you're hearing from God. So, Bobby, there's two things um, in that that I think it's really important that we get to. One is um, I think it's really easy to go, I th- for for people to go, no, that's not how God does it. No, that's not how God does it. Because that's not how God does it with them. And then, um, and then there's another level that's a, a step beyond that where it's like, well, um, there's no precedent for that. So, you know, I can't find that in scripture. So God doesn't communicate that way. And, um, so my, my quick challenge on that would be, yeah, all throughout scripture, as it was taking place, God was constantly doing new things. Do you think when the Israelites left Egypt and there was a pillar of fire, they're like, well, that's not God. Cause we looked back at the, the original five books yeah. and you know, they weren't there, you know, yeah. like it's not how it didn't work that way. So he's always doing something new. So we get, we have to be really careful to not go, well, I, God speaks to me through dreams. So don't tell me that you just know, no, that's, we're all different. So that's really important to make sure we're not discounting someone else's relationship because of the way he talks to us. Yeah. That's really great point. Um, what are the biblical ways that you know that God speaks? Let's just start with that. So for instance, um, in, all the way back to God speaking through dreams to um, an ungodly king named Abimelech. Yeah. Um, and he says to Abimelech, through a dream, um, if you don't give Abraham's wife back to him, Sarah, which is not his sister, by the way, it's his wife. <laughs> if you don't give his wife back to him, you're a dead man. So Abimelech wakes up the next morning and goes, why have you deceived me? And he gets that through a dream as a download from the Lord. It's funny that even back then, those were more understood as ways that God speaks than these days. So let's go back through the ways that God speaks. Yes, he speaks in dreams. He speaks through angelic visitations. I mean, that's how um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, not only found out that she was pregnant, but what to name him and how not to freak out because she wasn't pregnant by her fiance. Yeah, yeah. It was through a dream. So if you're going to discount dreams, then if she had discounted that dream, we would not have known who Jesus was. Right. And she would have misinterpreted the prophets who had gone before her mm. prophesying that a virgin a virgin will birth him. Right. And so it's just neat to see not only how God speaks, but how he fulfills his prophecies. Right. I have a question um, to, if you wouldn't mind, if I could just take it back again from what, what I, I feel a lot in our day, in our day and age. Um, Two questions. First is, if I am given a prophecy, is it set in stone that it's going to come true? If God said it, is it going to be? And the second one is, I hear a lot about, well, this prophet spoke this and look, it didn't come to pass. Therefore, he's a false prophet. Um, And I would really love (laughs) your take on those two things, please. So Jesus says over Israel, and you guys, please jump in. This is so good, guys. Sorry. Go Um, ahead. (laughs) So Jesus says over Israel that they had missed their day of visitation. He wept Mm. for the nation um, and that they had missed their day of visitation. Mm. 
And he says, oh, Israel, Israel, how I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. And he called her the one who stones the prophets and those who are, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you. Hmm. Um, wow. So does that mean that a false prophet uh, is a false prophet because the people don't take what they say? Absolutely not. That's the perfect example of, I've sent you many You've stoned them and killed them. And oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, mm. how I long to gather you. I was using them to bring you in close, yeah. but you couldn't hear what they were saying. Jesus said this, um, you know, uh, John the Baptist came, uh, you know, doing this, playing this song. And, and we came with the dance and with the dirge and you didn't hear either one of them. Mm. And, and so... Like, how do I get this word across to you? I'm really coming after you. The Bible says that prophecy, by the way, didn't have its origin in the heart of men. But men and women were carried by the Spirit of God. So God started the gift of prophecy. That wasn't oh, us really asking good. for, you know, we didn't start this. We didn't make this up so that we yeah. could be seen as amazing. God wanted to continue speaking to his people. Mm. So it was his idea. So if you get some of the details wrong, let's go over, let's go over that first. Mm. Are you a false prophet? So if you go back to De Deuteronomy, where the whole study of false prophets began, mm. um, they weren't just false prophets or stoned for being false prophets because they got the details wrong. They were stoned for being false prophets because they actually got the details right, if you study it, and they led people astray. So in other words, I'm going to wow. read your mail because I can. Big difference. Because I can hear things because the enemy knows our stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to use those words to lead you astray. Wow. And do you know that there's much more written in scripture and warnings about false teachers? There's three times more warnings about false teachers than there are false prophets. Wow. But we don't go, you know, talking right? about, oh, false teacher. I mean, we might, but we... We should know, start that. We no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we talk about false prophets all the time. So is it, can a word be from God and then contingent upon your involvement? Absolutely. Yeah. That was Jesus. Right. I sent these guys to you and you missed your day of visitation. Mm. So does it mean just because God speaks it that it's automatically going to come to pass? No, not necessarily. We have yeah. scriptural precedents that the nation and nations of the world did not follow after God's ways and then four seasons of their existence walked away from the Lord and the thing that God had planned for them mm. did not come to pass. Mm. And so, yes, it involves us walking with the Lord keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Mm. God longed for things to come to pass. And in the mercy of God, I feel this way. Um, there are seasons and times and seasons that we could miss some things. But I also feel like in the New Testament mercy of God, we don't just fail tests. We get to take them until we pass them. Yeah. And so there's provision in the mercy of God to yeah. continue going on. I think part of it too is um, there's this thing that happens where uh, it's like a two-edged sword a bit. So, you know, people are real quick nowadays to say, oh, false prophet, false prophecy, you blew it, you you were way off, you were way off, like really jumping to it. And we go back to that same scripture. 
Jesus came in a different way than they thought. Yeah. So if if mm. if we would just look at it like we do oftentimes today, we would say, oh, false prophet, false prophet, false prophet. It was actually just a poor understanding. Now it's really easy for us two thousand years later to go, well, they just didn't they they blew it. They didn't understand they weren't paying attention. They didn't understand properly. But at that time, that would not have been easy to do. In fact, it was so difficult to do that they crucified Jesus, right? So so we gotta, I think, give ourselves a lot more grace and and really it's pretty dangerous to start proclaiming false prophecy, false prophecy when our understanding might be the issue. Yeah. Our interpretation might be the issue. Mm. Or things might not be done, or maybe it plays out differently than we originally anticipated. Yeah, or we're caught up in the religious spirit of it. God gives us prophecy because he values our relationship. He values us partnering with him in order to, as we said in our previous podcast, do his will his way. And so it's it's just one of those uh, extra arm around the shoulder. Hey, let's walk this out together. I think that's absolutely beautiful. False prophets or in the New Testament are more known for needing to be seen than they are for being accurate. So let's let's not lower the watermark of accuracy. Yeah. Because we all need prophetic training. Mm-hmm. And there's all the need to grow in then how do I interpret what I'm seeing? Mm. And how do I learn to grow? Way back in the Old Testament, that's why Samuel had started the school of the prophets Mm -hmm. because there needed to be a way to hear the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, Samuel's story, when he was born, the Bible says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It wasn't being valued. We don't know how to hear from the Lord. And so not only does Samuel come as a great prophet, the Lord's like, no, I want people to hear from Mm -hmm. me. Teach them to hear my voice. Teach them not only that they do hear, but teach them how to hear. So that's happening. That's in society. And if you're in sort of the prophetic movement at all, hopefully you've read some books on how to prophesy or learn how to prophesy or in that the fact that God does speak through dreams or different ways. Um, in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk said this, and it's another way to hear from God. He says, I'll go stand at my guard post and I'll watch to see what you will say. Mm. That just means that God doesn't say everything that he's saying. I'll watch to see what you say. Mm -hmm. There's some people that see. They just close their eyes and, you know, they just go, wow, I just saw a picture or I Mm -hmm. saw a vision. They may not call it a vision. They may just call it a picture and because they don't want to over-spiritualize it. And so if, if, if something comes on your radar, here's what I call it. Like, it just comes on your radar. Like, here's how we prepare for the round table. I say, man, if you had a dream about something and then you were reading in the Word a couple days later and all of a sudden that same verse shows up and then randomly you were having a conversation with a friend and they said that same verse or that same part of the dream that you were getting, you better start writing it down. Because if not, you could miss your day of visitation. That's an indication that... Now, three things have come on your radar, and if you're not used to writing those things down, then you're not going to value the word of the Lord enough to prepare for its fulfillment. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says this, By faith Noah, being warned of things yet unseen, that's the prophetic, in reverence 
prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. So how do I hear what God's saying? Oh, he's talked to me these three, four, five times. He's been trying to get my attention through conversations. I watched it on a movie, and then I just can't get away from this one revelation. You better reverence the word of God enough to then start writing it down and preparing for his fulfillment. I start by going, Lord, why are you talking about this to me? What are you trying to say, Holy Spirit? It's been three people now, or two people, who've said this thing. Is it coming on my radar? And the more you start having spirit talk like that with Mm -hmm. the Lord, the more you'll get used to having what I call peripheral vision, and those things won't pass over your head as quickly anymore. Yeah, and I think there's a secondary consequence, um, uh, which is if we don't have room for that, then we'll create an environment where it's not safe. And if it's not safe, then people aren't going to actually do it. And they're not going to be, and if they're not doing it, then they're not going to be listening. And then we're going to be missing things God wanted us to know about. So it's a, it's a negative domino effect that can happen if we're not careful and create the space for it. So I think it's really important to do that. Um, We are out of time. So I think what we should do is do a two parts on prophecy. So if you're listening to this and you're not subscribed, you better subscribe right now so that you can hear the second part that's coming out soon um, and and share this, um, get it out there. Um, you can check out the video version of this on YouTube if you're listening on the audio platforms. But this is one of those things that I think has really been put in the forefront of everything that's happening right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of misunderstanding. Um, there's a lot of... Um, divisive kind of views about this. So I think it's really, uh, you know, timely and important to kind of go into this. So we're going to break this one into two pieces. And um, and so you definitely want to subscribe, like I mentioned, so you get the second one. And just to wet your whistle, I think in the next one, we need to talk about accuracy and fruit because we don't want to lower the watermark for yes. accuracy. Right. We actually need to up watermark right Right now there's so much prophetic that's going around and it's more after the events Mm -hmm. instead of forth telling the events Mm. and we've lowered the watermark now to where prophetic is commentary after something happens Mm. so how do we up the watermark for forth telling and then how do we make sure we understand what do we what's heaven prioritizing accuracy or fruit Mm. stay tuned stay tuned subscribe we'll catch you on the next one